Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this week we're talking about setting your piano teaching salary. beautiful teachers. I hope you're having a wonderful week and that you're enjoying Money Month here at Vibrant Music Teaching and Colourful Keys. This week we're talking about salaries and I've chosen that word carefully. It's not your income, it's your salary that I want to talk about today. In other words, I don't want to talk to you about your fees. No, 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 no. We're actually going to do that next week. But in this episode, I want to talk to you about what you actually want to make, aka your salary. Now, if you are a one woman or one man, one person operation, then it can be difficult to distinguish this from your income or from your revenue or your profit. But I really want you to start thinking about this as a separate number. This is the amount that you are paid as if you were an employee, even if you're running just a one-person business. So let's start to unpack what your take-home pay should be. We'll start there. Now, your salary will include your tax. We're going to get to that in a minute. But let's start with your take-home pay and we'll work our way up to how much you need to make. In your take-home pay, I want you to write down a list of literally everything you want to pay for in a month or in a year, whichever way is easier for you to think about it. Probably a month, right? Some will think weekly, but most of us, monthly makes a lot of sense because of this first item, which is your rent or your mortgage. So your housing. How much do you need to pay for where you live each month? And if this is something you want to change, then I want you to write down the number, the aspirational number, as in like if you're currently living in a studio and you really need to give get out of it into a two bedroom, how much would the two bedroom be? Okay, so it's not like how much would it be if you had your dream mansion, but if you have near future plans to move to a different type of space, it's going to cost something else, then definitely go with that number. Next on your list is all your bills. So, you know, heating, electrical, gas, if you have that phone, internet, all those sorts of things. Make a list and look through your bank account to see what's withdrawn or what you pay each month and you can average that out. 
Then you have the things that feel a bit more optional, but they're very much not. So grocery bills, how much you actually spend per month on groceries. And be careful to include those little trips in here because I think those are the ones that really add up. So you might have like a routine of doing a big weekly shop, but then you run out of this thing or that thing and you go to the shop a few more times in the week. If that's you, like it is me, then make sure to include those little trips as well, because those are often the times that we pick up kind of impulse fun purchases at the at the supermarket. Next on my list is clothes. Clothes might not always belong in this essential category, but a certain level of new clothes actually does. You know, you have to replace your socks. So how much do you want to spend on clothes per month? Again, you might not be buying them every month, but just average that out. If you have transport to pay for, such as a car, you need to include your car insurance, your tax, your repayments if it's on a loan. We have something called the NCT, the National Car Test. You know, we need to pay for that. So there tend to be a lot more expenses to do with the car than just buying the car. So make sure you include all of those. And then we have entertainment. This can be pretty essential and quite predictable. So maybe you tend to go out to a bar or a restaurant once a month, twice a month, every day, whatever you do you, okay? So whatever you normally do. But you also have things like Spotify, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever else you include in your entertainment budget. Maybe you have cable TV or some kind of subscription like that or other things that you pay for that are for entertainment. Books would also go in this category for me. So how many books do I get through a month and roughly how much do those cost? Next is the one we often miss out at our peril, which is emergencies. And these are small emergencies. I'm not talking about some massive life altering thing like you're in an accident and you suddenly have all sorts of costs to do with rehab from the accident. I'm not talking about those kind of big things. We definitely should have a fund for that as well. But there are all those little unexpected things that come up like For instance, as I'm recording this, last week our washing machine just stopped working. (laughs) And to buy a new washing machine is a pretty big sudden expense. So if you haven't allowed for a little bit of wiggle room for stuff like that to crop up, then you're going to quickly overrun what you think you should be spending each month. So I want you to build up this list of all the things that occur all the time. So look through your bank account, think about what you usually spend, look through your email receipts, that kind of thing. To try and make these categories for yourself, they could expand beyond what I'm talking about here, especially if you have kids, if you have other things going on, you're going to have expenses to do with that. The last thing is the thing I definitely don't want you to leave out with this, and that is your essential luxuries. What makes life fun for you besides your work, okay? What makes it fun? We've got, yes, that basic entertainment budget, but there are other things that you might just love doing that cost money and you need to allow for them to make your life really enjoyable for you. So this could be something like a golf club membership, or it could be something small like daily coffees from a local cafe that you just love the ritual of going out to get your coffee, getting it in your special keepy cup and bringing it home and sitting down to answer your emails. If that's important to you, fine, allow for that $4, 5 euro, whatever it is, per day. 
Those things do add up, but if they are worth it to you, they're worth including in this calculation. So when you add up all of these things, including allowing for some emergencies and your essential luxuries, you're going to have an amount that's what you want to make after tax. So this is the amount you are going to have as your take home pay. So now you just need to reverse engineer, do a bit of calculations and figure out how much you need to make before tax to take home that amount. Now, it depends on where you live, but if you live in a big country, such as if you live in the US, etc., other big countries, often you can actually find a calculator that will work this out for you. And people have made them online, so you might look out if you just search for it. If you don't, then you just need to look up from your local revenue or IRS in the US, yes, that kind of thing. Look that up and see what the rates of tax are and do those calculations. Yes, it's a little bit of painful maths and it's a bit annoying, but do it. It is worth it to figure out how much you actually need to make before tax is taken off so that you make the amount, you take home the amount that you need to take home to have the life that you want. Now, you still have to go up a bit more in terms of how much you're actually going to make because you need to work out your gross revenue. That is, before you take off the expenses of your studio, how much do you need to make? If you already know your studio expenses, if you're someone who keeps pretty good tabs on this, you can just look up that number, okay, and add it on. That's great. If you don't, though, I'm going to say an absolute minimum of what to allow for is 10%. So you need to add on 10%, make sure you have at least a little buffer for spending money on books and subscriptions like vibrant music teaching or any other professional development you do or all those kinds of things, stationary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you have been keeping tabs on your expenses, use the real number. I'm just giving 10% as like a absolute minimum of what teachers normally spend. So don't worry if your real number is a lot higher than that. That's perfectly normal. Now that you have a gross revenue number, I want you to divide it by the number of students you want to have. So once you've divided this number by the number of students you want to have, you'll be able to see whether this is actually possible at the fees you're currently charging. This is where we come back to our fees, right? So let's just say for the sake of an example that you want to make gross revenue 100,000 per year. I'm just picking a nice round number, okay? So you want to make 100,000 per year so that you can eventually take home, I don't know, 50,000. Well, if you want, only want to have 10 students, each one needs to pay you 10,000 a year. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. But I'm just using that as an illustration of what this looks like. So you start to divide it down and you realize whether this gross revenue number and your number of desired students is realistic or not. So does it match with your current fees? And if it does not, if it's not possible, if it's not going to happen, well, that's your little real reality check, yes. And this is your chance to think about what you want to change to make that number happen. You may straight away go to, okay, well, how can I need less for a salary? But let's not go there. Let's figure out how much your studio can make how we can alter things in your studio so that you make as much as you want to make. Now, assuming you haven't picked some ridiculously unrealistic salary, this should be possible. If it doesn't look possible right now based on your calculations, 
you need to rethink, first of all, your fees. Are you charging enough? And we're going to talk more about that in the next episode, but just start to think about it now. Are you charging as much as you can, as much as you should? If the answer is yes, and you still want to stick with that gross revenue salary number, then you need to rethink maybe the format of your lessons. Can you teach in a more efficient way, such as doing groups, doing buddy lessons, doing partner lessons, all things we've talked about a lot here on the show, so you can look back at previous episodes for info on that. Another option is to change the format of your studio, meaning you hire other teachers to work for you. And we've talked about my mentorship model for my studio. We have a course on that inside Vibrant Music Teaching, so you can look that up and see about whether that's a good fit for you and whether it's something you want to do. It's definitely a totally different business model, but maybe it's an avenue you want to go down. I wouldn't go down that avenue purely for financial reasons, but that can be one of the many factors. Finally, the other thing you can rethink is your expenses. So if you did have a real number before, if you didn't use my rough 10% minimum as your calculation, but you had a real number like it was 3046 why not? 3046 per month in expenses. Well, let's look at that. See how you can bring it down. That's your other option. Your one thing this week is to figure out exactly how much you want to make. Your realistic salary amount that you need to live the life you want to live and what would make that possible in your studio. Feel free to listen to this episode again and again to figure out all of the steps to get you there because this is definitely a worthwhile pursuit for your homework this week. I hope you enjoyed this exploration of your possible piano teaching salary and what you want it to be. If you did enjoy it, if you will have any questions about it, make sure to come find me on Instagram. We're at Colorful Keys. I'd love to chat to you there. Or leave a comment on this article that goes along with this episode that's on the Colourful Keys blog. That's it for this time. I'll see you next week. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.